Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 85th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Kaspersky Labs. Is it safe to use this Russian company's security software? Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. Our guest today is longtime friend and colleague, David G. Reese, who practices in the areas of environmental, technology, and data protection law and litigation. For over 20 years, he has increasingly focused on cybersecurity, privacy, and information governance. He has used computers in his practice since the early 1980s, and since then has strongly encouraged attorneys to embrace technology, appropriately and securely. Dave is a co-author of two ABA books, Lockdown, Practical Information Security for Lawyers, 2nd Edition, and Encryption Made Simple for Lawyers. Thanks for being with us today, Dave. Thanks. It's always great to work with you and Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. We we return the compliment. And as we get started here, I know the three of us know a lot about Kaspersky Labs, but I'm sure there are some listeners who do not. So can you talk a little bit about the company itself? Yeah, Kaspersky Labs is a leading global cybersecurity company that's been in business for about 20 years. Its headquarters is in Moscow, and it's owned by a UK-based holding company called Kaspersky Labs Limited. It has an affiliate in the U.S., Kaspersky Labs NA, uh, which is based in Massachusetts. It reports having about 270,000 corporate clients worldwide, uh, about 400 million users, and 4,000 employees. Well, Dave, what, what about the man that's at the top of the pile, Eugene Kaspersky? Give us some insight into who he is and, and some of his, uh, his activities. All right. Well, he, he's a co-founder of uh, Kaspersky Labs. He's a Russian citizen, but I understand that he lives mostly in the UK. He's widely recognized as a leading cybersecurity expert. Uh, he graduated from what was then the technical faculty of the KGB higher uh, school, and, and that's KGB as in the Russian intelligence group. He's currently the CEO of Kaspersky Labs, and there's some concern because of his prior work for the Russian military and his education at a KGB-sponsored technical college. But he's widely viewed as both a leader in cybersecurity and in the business of cybersecurity. And I'm guessing that there are a lot of people who are listening who do know about the products and services that Kaspersky provides, but a lot probably don't. So talk about that if you would, Dave. All right, well, Kaspersky Labs has a leading threat intelligence and research offering, and uh, through that, it offers a variety of software products uh, for you know large companies, mid-sized, and small businesses, 
as well as for consumers. It has products for desktops, laptops, mobile devices, servers, uh, and enterprise management tools. It's been widely used in the U.S., including a number of companies and, uh, until the present, U.S. government agencies. But it's a wide offering, uh, management tools, security software. You know, it's right in there with many of the others in terms of the breadth of its offerings. Well, Dave, I, I know I've had some personal experience with their products, and, and they've always done fairly well, at least for me and for our company here. But give us some insight as to how, how their products have performed and, and how they've been reviewed by a lot of these testing agencies and, you know, as, as, as compared to maybe even some of their competitors. Sure. Many of uh, Kaspersky's products have been viewed as uh, the leaders or among the leaders. And that's because they've performed very well in independent tests and reviews. They've often been first or in the top three in the uh, you know, various independent reviews. And, and that's over you know, at least the last several years. I haven't watched them much before that. But uh, over the last several years, they've been right up there. You know, for example, in 2016, they received 55 first place awards and 70 top three ratings. So uh, that's pretty high in, in this uh, area. They go through independent reviews by services like Virus Bulletin and AV Comparatives. And, and these you know, look on a one-time basis, but also over time. Uh, how much malware do they detect? They use samples of malware, uh, including some of the latest, and test the various products to see how they perform. And over periods of time, Kaspersky's products have often uh, been at 100% or very close to it. Uh, so, you know, they've been highly rated for effectiveness and also for ease of use. So very leading products. Well, all good stuff. So before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. At least 80 of the 100 biggest law firms in the country have been hacked since 2011. Protect your firm and your clients from cyber attacks with SiteLock. Their industry-leading, cloud-based suite of website security solutions includes website scanning, web application firewall, including distributed denial of service mitigation, and 24-7, 365 US-based customer support. Give your firm and your clients peace of mind knowing their information is secure. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is Kaspersky Labs. Is it safe to use this Russian company's security software? Our guest is longtime friend and colleague Dave Reese, who practices in the areas of environmental technology and data protection law and litigation. So, Kaspersky has found itself in the middle of a firestorm, Dave. You want to tell us what the current controversy is about? Yes, I want to start with a quick disclaimer, and that is that everything I know about it is from what I've read in the popular press and in the information security press. You know, I've looked at a lot, but I you know, don't have any personal knowledge about it, so uh, I'm explaining it as I understand it. Uh, <laughs> so, back in so. 2015... You don't want the KGB coming after you, huh, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or, or Kaspersky. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> 
During 2015, there was some press coverage about ties of Kaspersky with the Russian government, along with denials by Kaspersky. And that was in some of the popular press. There were you know, several articles, but it kind of, kind of seemed to, to go away after that flurry of activity. Uh, the allegations resurfaced again this past summer with a lot of discussion in the popular press and information security circles. Uh, and w- when the initial discussion started, I think it was about May or perhaps June, Kaspersky Labs offered to let the U.S. government review its source code uh, so that the government could see you know, what the products did and what they didn't do and look under the hood. The real firestorm hit on September 13th when the Department of Homeland Security issued an operational directive that instructed all U.S. federal agencies within 30 days to develop detailed plans to remove and discontinue the use of any uh, Kaspersky products. They were to discontinue that use within 60 days, and within 90 days, they were supposed to have it uh, out of the system. So the plans were supposed to be Uh, fully implemented. Interestingly, the operational directive did give Kaspersky Labs an opportunity to respond, and the directive was qualified by, unless based on new information, uh, DHS changed the directive. So that was the big hit because there were a number of federal agencies using Kaspersky, and of course, Homeland Security directing agencies not to use it would affect commercial use, too. Then on October 10th, the New York Times published a story. The headline was, How Israel Caught Russian Hackers Scouring the World for U.S. Secrets. So I'm just going to read a a quick introduction because they, they put it so well. It was a case of spies watching spies watching spies. Israeli intelligence officers looked on in real time as Russian government hackers searched computers around the world for the code names of American intelligence programs. What gave the Russian hacking, detected more than two years ago, such global reach was its improvised search tool, antivirus software made by a Russian company, Kaspersky Lab, that is used by 400 million people around the world, including officials at some two dozen American government agencies. So the Times was reporting that Russian intelligence was actually using Kaspersky's products uh, to search for American intelligence programs. Uh, It reportedly included a set of hacking tools that were on the home computer of an employee of uh, of an NSA contractor. So, you know, the Russian intelligence reportedly got these NSA hacking tools that were on this individual's computer, and and it got them uh, through the use of uh, Kaspersky's antivirus or security programs. Well, I know, Dave, that a lot of the resources that that I look at, too, they're um, the security professionals were kind of standing back on, well, there really isn't any proof, and we really don't know all the details, and I'm sure that's going (laughs) to come forward as time goes on. But how has Kaspersky responded to those allegations? Well, I I mentioned back in 2015, during the first set of allegations, Kaspersky offered to let the U.S. government... uh, Review its source code, so it would be able to see what the uh, you know the various software products could do and couldn't do, 
And Kaspersky Lab denied any knowledge or involvement in the hacking, and they made a statement that Kaspersky Lab has never helped nor will help any government in the world with its cyber espionage efforts. Uh, and it asked Homeland Security for verifiable information to support the claims. And as you mentioned, uh, a number of folks in the uh, information security community asked for the same thing. They said, you know, where's the proof of, of what's happened? Uh, because there are other innocent explanations, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Did the government actually take them up on the offer to review the code? Uh, I'm not aware that they did. And, you know, that might be behind the scenes. Indeed, I think it might. Um, but, you know, one thing I think that's poorly understood, and I'll ask it in the form of a question, why does security software phone home, as they say in quotes? Well, I mean, phoning home, of course, is a piece of software or an operating system reporting back to the servers of the company that published the software. And before I, I turn to security software, you know, Microsoft Windows 10 is notorious for phoning home. And there was some controversy when it first came out from privacy advocates about how much it phoned home. So the reason that security software phones home is, is for at least two reasons that I know of. Number one, just to report performance of the software, any breakdowns in it and things of that nature, so the publisher can fix them to, to see how it's performing. But more importantly for security software, it is used to send samples of the malware that it detects back to the security company so that they can make sure that they fully understand that it's part of their threat detection and, if necessary, tweak the uh, security software uh, to catch variants. So it's part of threat intelligence gathering, and you know, virtually all of the security software companies do that. There's usually a way to opt out, but that's part of the way they get information to help all of their users. So a, a possible innocent explanation of, of what happened here is that the Kaspersky Lab security software on a contractor's computer detected the malware, sent samples of the malware back to Kaspersky uh, as part of the, you know, the usual analysis of samples. Now, how Russian intelligence got involved, if they did, and how they got it is a different question. You know, but the fact of security software finding malware on a computer and sending a sample back is typical. And I'm glad you pointed out, Dave, about the, the opt-out, because I know Kaspersky does have that. The default is to send the information back, but you can, in fact, you know, opt out of that, sending that, that data. But let's talk about lawyers and their usage of Kaspersky. In your opinion, is, is it safe for the, the lawyers and, and the companies in the U.S. to use Kaspersky products? Well, I mean, generally, I, I think it is absent more information coming out. But I've heard kind of two different schools of thought. And one is... You know, why take a chance? Attorneys have a duty of confidentiality. Uh, and if there's any question about any of the security products or other technology products that you're using, and there are other ones uh, about which you don't have that concern, why take a chance? So, you know, that's the most protective. You know, kind of the other uh, that I've heard a lot of people uh, express 
is that unless you are doing something that you have a concern that the Russian intelligence is interested in, uh, <laughs> that uh, absent that, uh, that you're probably okay using, and particularly for home users, again, unless they're covert foreign agents or something like that, there shouldn't be that much concern. But you know, keep monitoring it in case something more comes out. But but that kinds of it. So there's a cautious. You know, don't use it uh, even if it's safe. Uh, there's the more moderate. Uh, if you're not in a position to be concerned about uh, Russian intelligence, uh, go ahead and use it. Do Do you think, Dave? That I mean, in essence, do you think that they've gotten a bad rap? I think I can just say that they might have, because I don't know. You know, if if they were cooperating with Russian intelligence and let them use Kaspersky's systems to gather this kind of data, uh, then, of course, it's not a bad rap. Uh, but if it was just collected in the you know routine operation of the software, nothing malicious about it, they did get a bad rap. I mean, they could also be somewhat of a victim if Russian intelligence infiltrated Kaspersky and without Kaspersky's knowledge or, or consent, you know, they took data from Kaspersky servers uh, then maybe you know maybe they're they're a victim. Although with the sophistication that Kaspersky has in security, uh, it's questionable whether somebody could get into their system at least long term without them knowing it. <laughs> Those Israeli guys, though, they're pretty good, Dave. You got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they were in for a while, and I think they eventually. I think Kaspersky eventually found them, but they were in for a while. And, and they are some. And the you know the Israelis are some of the most talented. Yep. Oh, before we move on to our last segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PI Now understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today our topic is Kaspersky Labs. Is it safe to use this Russian company's security software? And our guest is litigator Dave Reese. So, Dave, do you have any suggestions for lawyers or companies that have made up their minds, maybe using Kaspersky now, but now they want to change security software? Or if they, they want to change, uh, you know, from one product to another just because they, they uh, stopped liking it or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of good security products on the market. And, and kind of the preliminary point is that if you use any supported version that's currently under support with all current updates, you're substantially better off than not having security software. You know, there are a lot of products out there. Uh, I'm just going to give a few examples, not necessarily the particular ones I would recommend for a particular use, but, you know, Bitdefender, Asset, McAfee, Norton, Symantec, uh, Sophos, TreadMicro, Webroot. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. They also typically offer basic, advanced, and premium security suites. 
So I tend toward the premium that, that has a lot and a lot of additional features. The first thing is to ask somebody who's knowledgeable, like John or Sharon, who's <laughs> familiar with it uh, on their experience. Uh, you know, look at reviews in respected security and tech publications like SC Magazine, uh, PC World, Computer World, Tom's Guide, even Consumer Reports does analyses of security software. Uh, for enterprise versions for law firms or businesses, Gartner and Forrester and other tech consulting firms publish ratings. Tech groups like ILTA, the ABA's Legal Technology Resource Center, uh, publish information. And, and look at how they do in these independent reviews, not just uh, you know whether an editor liked them or didn't like them. You know, look at their ratings from Virus Bulletin, mm -hmm. AV Comparatives, and you want one that catches it all or most of it. You don't want one that's easy to use if it only gets 80% of the uh, of the malware. So that's basically uh, an overview. It's, you know, just do some due diligence. But if you get a named product, you probably can't go wrong if it's current and uh, keep everything up to date, with, typically with automatic patches. Well, Dave, for our last question here, I'm going to throw you a softball. And because I know you, <laughs> you live and breathe and eat this whole security world here. But how does security software fit in the, the comprehensive information security program? Well, up-to-date security software is part, and I stress part, of a comprehensive security program. It's not the whole thing, and unfortunately, there's no silver bullet in security. There's not one thing that will protect you, and even if you put everything together, uh, you may not be protected with the kind of threats we face today. But, I mean, I'll, I'll end with a quote from, you know, one of our favorite uh, information security experts, and that's Bruce Schneier. He's a great security expert recognized internationally and comes out with some just really great sound bites that are good for, for teaching. And, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, the, uh, the one here is, you know, security is a process, not a product. So the uh, security software is a critical step in security, but one step. It is a process, that's for sure. And, and, and there is no such thing as set it and forget it cybersecurity, right, Dave? That's right. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Dave. It's always a pleasure. We always enjoy working and writing with you, speaking with you. And I know that you follow this stuff as closely as we do. So your expertise is always, uh, uh, I know our listeners always appreciate it. So thanks again. Okay, I'm always glad to do it. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or an Apple podcast. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.